Thank you, worship team. Well, you can't see me on the live stream because I'm down on the floor right now, and I'm just giving them space, but uh, we have a full service today. So let me just say, if you're not signed up for the Bridge Wired uh, weekly that gets sent out, just go to thebridgewired.com, put your email in the, the space, and you will get all the information and all the going-ons here at the bridge, because uh, that's important because I'm not bringing them up today. Um, like I said, we have a full service, so I want to make sure that we have space to do everything that I think the Lord has for us today. I also want to say a, a, a thank you to our elders. Uh, we got two in here today. I think uh, Josh is in the back teaching, yeah? He's teaching this morning first service, and Jim Buckley's here. We have Jeff Pepper over here, and I wanted to say publicly thank you, gentlemen, for the service that you've given to the bridge over the past year. Uh, October is... Uh, Pastor Appreciation, Elder Appreciation Month, and they surprised me with a, a gift the other day at our elder meeting, and then I was like, well, shoot, like, now I got to do something, you know, like, so um, I, I publicly do want to say thank you, though, for all your support and all that you do behind the scenes and how you pray for the body and your care and, and just everything that you put into uh, shepherding, so it, it means a lot, and Christ is pleased with you, and I am so blessed by you, so thank you, gentlemen, for, for all you do. And uh, I just pray blessings over you in the next year of service and maybe a year of rest, yeah? Because Jeff has a sabbatical coming up. And uh, yeah, amen. Yes, and hopefully he gets to take that. Uh, <laughs> so um, if, if you were coming in today, there is a handout. Uh, I usually don't do handouts, but I did a handout because last time uh, there was a lot of information. And Christina Mraz was so kind to get on me about having too much information and not enough time for everybody to write things down. So she said, you need to give us a handout. So you have a handout today. Uh, don't get too used to it. But if you don't have one, they're on the table in the back. I, I, <laughs> it's not my thing. It's not my jam. Um, but it's there for you. And there is a lot of information about uh, the gifts of faith and gifts of healing that we are going to be going over today in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Before I pray, I do want to read this passage. This was sent to me this morning, and uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching, I had made a statement that Jesus had done his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of people, that sometimes that sounds a little weird, like he's fully God. How does he need the power of the Spirit? How is he walking in the Spirit? And I made the comment that as we have the Spirit and we work in the Spirit, Jesus was doing the same, that he heard perfectly from the Father and he's working in the Spirit and all that he did, he was hearing from God and doing all that was spoken to him by the Father and through the Spirit, and that's how his ministry worked. And that we have that same Holy Spirit in us, and we are to learn to hear from the Father and hear from the Spirit and work in the Spirit. And so if that sounded a little strange to you, I just want to bring your attention to Acts chapter 10. And this is Peter speaking, uh, and he says this, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So today, as we think about gifts of faith and gifts of healing, keep in mind that it's by the power of the Spirit given by God that he is doing this great work in and through us. So will you pray with me, and we'll get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Father, I thank you. You are so good. Thinking through those songs, 
just the grace and mercy that has been given to us. Jesus, for the joy you went to the cross, the joy set before you, that suffering gave you great joy because you knew that it would ransom a people, that it would save, that it would be effective in bringing us back who were wayward. We think of ourselves as prodigal sons and daughters who have run away, that prodigal being extravagant, lavished our, our excesses, but you are a prodigal God. You, ex, you extravagantly give us grace and love and mercy. Oh, what a blessing. And as we read in this passage, Holy Spirit, will you teach us, help us to have understanding. These things are not always easy, and these are topics that we need to know. We need to understand how you work, how you move, how you build your, your church, and, and how you are purifying and sanctifying your bride. We want the fullness of God in this church, and that means we need to hear. So give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that are open. Help us to see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, um, and we're not going through uh, this, this other than just really to use it as our touch point. Uh, I've been preaching through 1 Corinthians, so if you're new with us, um, you can find all the sermons online. And right now what we're doing is we're just going through this list of uh, gifts that Paul lists here in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're just picking them off a couple at a time, and we're going through and saying, what does the Spirit of God reveal about these gifts. How do they work? What does it look like? How do they function? And we want to know because we believe that it's normative for today, that this is how God is working and moving still today. And so we want the fullness of the Spirit in our fellowship. So looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 9, this is what Paul wrote. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all to everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. So this is our touch point for the day. This is the word of the Lord for us. And what I want us to remember is that Paul is speaking first and foremost about unity. One spirit, one God, one Lord. It is the spirit that brings these gifts about. It's the spirit who manifests himself in our lives. We don't get a magic wand and get to control God willy-nilly any way we like. It's, it's we're coming together under the lordship of Jesus Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's the Spirit of God in us who manifests his, the will of God as, as he deems appropriate, giving gifts as he deems appropriate. And so we have to understand what, what, he's, what he's saying here. So Paul's talking about unity, maintaining unity, the unity that they share is first and foremost in the gospel. That gospel is the good news that Christ took our punishment and paid for our sins at the cross. 
And for everyone who would come to Jesus with repentance, that is, turning from their ways and surrendering control of their life to him, that's repentance, turning and surrendering, he gives them eternal life. That's, that's the foundation of unity. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. Paul says earlier, there's, there's one foundation that was laid. It's Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the foundation of all of life. And many try to have other foundations that they want to build their life upon, and Jesus says that is like sifting sand. There's only one foundation, and it's Christ. And that's what brings us unity. We are in Christ when we come to him. Our unity is that we each have received the same gift of salvation through the work of faith in the Spirit of God. So we've each received this gift. And we all have the same gift. That's the whole parable of the workers coming at different times of the day and being hired. And at the end of the day, the master says, come and get your wages. And he starts with the ones he hired at the very end of the day who only worked an hour, and he gives them a full day's wage. And so the guys who worked all day long are thinking, we're going to get really paid today. Like, we're going to get something. And he gives each a day's wage. And they're like, wait, wait, shouldn't we get more? He says, no, I agreed to give you all the same. Salvation is a gift of grace to us, to each of us. We all receive the same at the cross. We don't deserve any more or any less. We deserve nothing. But he gives us this grace, and it brings us together. So when we think about gifts, when we think about service, when we think about activities, we cannot get puffed up with pride because it's God who is giving that grace to us to do it, to act in that way, to serve in that way. It's not of us, it's of him. And so we say, hey, only by the blood of Jesus, for you and for me, we have unity. And so Paul wants them to be unified because that's the problem in, in Corinth is that they're not unified. There's, there's pride, there's misuse of the gifts, there's all kinds of problems. And he doesn't say stop doing those things. He just says do them well, do it right. And remember, you are in Christ. So Paul reminds the church in this passage that it's all works of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. And they're dependent on God, not on man. That the manifestation of the Spirit, that's the showing of the Spirit among us, that's His presence among us, that manifestation is what it means, that when the Holy Spirit manifests Himself, He does the purpose and will of the Father through us, in us. And part of that purpose is making the bride holy, encouraging us, building us up, purifying us, sanctifying us, which means to be set apart for Himself. He manifests himself in the fellowship to purify and to sanctify. In our passage, Paul mentions faith as a gift of the Spirit. And in this context, it's, it's different than the faith I just mentioned above about the unity of faith in the gospel. It's, it's different. So we need to explore faith and see how faith and healings connect. So First, I have a question of faith. In the Scriptures, there's three ways we see faith discussed. So you have that on your handout, um, and you can run ahead. I know. That's what I hate about handouts. You're going to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I've already read the passage. All right, let's go. You know, three kinds of faith. As a good pastor, they all start with the same letter. I picked S. So we have saving faith, 
sanctifying faith, and spectacular faith. Um, so what are these things that we're looking at in the Scriptures? First is saving faith. Saving faith is what we see at conversion. It's the faith that we have that justifies us. It's the, it's the receiving the gospel. It's having full confidence in the gospel. It's believing the gospel, that good news that Jesus died for us. This, this coming to him by repentance and by faith alone in Christ alone, that is saving faith. It's a faith that, that we all must have. Every believer must have this type of faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So he says here, it's through faith that we receive the, the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the righteousness of God that comes by faith, we receive it. This is saving faith, conversion faith. So that's not what Paul's talking about here, but this is the foundation. You must have this. If you are in Christ, you have saving faith. You have to have saving faith. If you haven't abandoned your life and given it to Jesus, you don't have saving faith. There's a lot of times where we hold on to it and we say, yeah, I'll do it and I'll give some to Jesus. Or I'll, I'll, kinda, I'll just kind of slightly do that. No, it's a, I, re, I surrender my life. I believe it. I want this. I surrender my life, my will, I take up my cross, I die to myself, and I trust, I believe, I receive. That's saving faith. That's, that's the first faith we, we read about in scriptures uh, and talk about often. The next goes hand in hand with it, and that's sanctifying faith. So sanctifying faith is like right on the heels of saving faith. Sanctifying faith is something that we exercise or walk in every day as disciples of Jesus. Now, some days we exercise and walk in it better than others, don't we? <laughs> some days we're like, yeah, I'm really just, you know, doing all that the Lord has. And other days it's like, oh, I'm really not doing what I should be doing. But we're being changed. We know, we have confidence that God is doing a work in us. We know the promises we read. We trust the promises we read. So, we may have varying degrees of faith in the, in the process of being changed and sanctified, but this is the faith that trusts God to do what he has promised to do. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am sure of this, that's, that's faith, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I'm sure that he is going to complete this. He's going to change me. He's working in me. He, I have full confidence. Sanctifying faith. It's also the faith we read of Hebrews chapter 11. I, I just have Hebrews 11, 1, but that whole chapter 
is about sanctifying faith, that those trusted in God and they walked and lived according to it. And it is an amazing chapter. Read the whole thing in your quiet time this week. Go back and just see the faith of the saints. And some of it's spectacular and some of it's through some hardship and suffering. But Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we, we have this assurance that God is doing it. He's promised it. He, we read it in the Word, and, and we know He's working. And sometimes we trust those promises better than other promises, and we walk, and we walk in those, and we exercise those more. But we want to we exercise all of them. We're growing in it. We know God's working. That's the sanctifying faith. Now, those two, those two examples of faith are different from a gift of faith that Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 12. This is spectacular faith, or charismatic faith, or some would say this, this gift of faith. Now, this is the spontaneous spirit-empowered activity of God creating the conditions where supernatural activity in and through the believer takes place. God is moving and creates conditions and circumstances and we see supernatural activity, and we have faith, and we have confidence, and we have trust, and it's different than the other two. And let me show you. We see this in a few places. Uh, Jesus talks about this kind of faith. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes... Uh, that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Matthew 17, verses 20 and 21. And he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, because he cursed it and it withered, and they were marveling the next day that the tree had died, just overnight. He says, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So we see here Jesus speaking of supernatural faith. This is, this is believing on something that's not normal. Like we don't pray for mountains to move. And, and, and we always kind of do that allegory with it. It's like, well, you know, like the mountains of life. He's really talking about, you know, those circumstances. You know, like I'm thinking about, you know, kids in school. One of those mountains is like, you know, midterms or your final. It's like, I'm just praying for that mountain to move, you know, that I'm going to get an A on that test or whatever. Like, and as adults, you're thinking the mountains of work or, or even right now, it may, maybe you're struggling with all that's going on at work and all the different things with the, with the mandates and stuff. That feels like a mountain. But Jesus is talking about having supernatural faith in something that we normally don't have faith in. Like, we don't think, I'm going to pray for that mountain to move and it'll be moved. He's talking about having a confidence and assurance that is revealed by the Spirit of God in something that God is revealing, 
that is showing you, giving you confidences. And he says, and pray that in faith. That's a gift of faith. He's showing you something that you don't necessarily have written down here in Scripture. The Spirit's revealing it. He's, he's showing this to you. 1 Corinthians 13.2, Paul talks this way about it further in the chapter. He says, and if I have all, if I, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. He's saying, if God showed me miraculous, spectacular things to do, and I had faith in it, like I knew the Holy Spirit saying, Paul, I want you to pray for this thing, and I want you to pray for that miracle, and I want you to pray for that activity, and I had full confidence that God's doing all of it, that he showed me. There's no doubt in my mind. The Holy Spirit revealed it. I'm praying for it. I'm asking for it. I know he will do it. He says, but if I did all that without love, what's the point? I mean, so Paul's talking about supernatural faith. Having supernatural faith devoid of love is, is, is horrible. It's a misuse. So here he's saying there's something different about this type of faith than the other two. James 5.15, I think, also illustrates this. As I have that come up, I'm thinking some of you may want to have a conversation about this later, but I am available. I think this really shows this. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. It's a supernatural, like, I just know God's doing this. I know that I know. I'm praying for healing many times, and I, I don't know. But in this circumstance, I just know. The Spirit's revealed it to me, like, God is doing something right now, or he's about to do something, or he has already done it. Like, I just know. This is the type of faith that is not given to to every person all the time, but every person can be used and can receive this type of faith if we're open to it. If we're saying, God, show me, give me, increase my faith, that the prayer of the man to Jesus, he says, Uh, you know, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Like, that's increased faith in me. Show me, like, help me believe and have faith in what you're saying. Reveal that supernaturally by your spirit. This gift, it appears to be spontaneous, uh, meaning that it is relying on the spirit to manifest himself for God's purposes. It's not to be wielded however a person wants, which this is where the, the name it and claim it uh, group really have fallen into the ditch, I would say, where they say, well, I have faith. I'm going to claim everything. I'm, I'm going to say it all. I'm just going to, I have faith. I have faith. I have faith. And I'm just going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to claim this. I'm going to claim this because that's what Jesus said. But if it's not revealed by the Spirit of God, then you can't wield that. You're not God. You don't have that authority. But if the Spirit has given you confidence, we're careful. Let me say it this way. We are careful with the way we speak and the way we articulate what God is doing because we are to build up and encourage. We should be very careful when we're talking to others and praying for others about what we think God has really revealed to us because sometimes we get it wrong. 
don't we? Sometimes we think, oh, I've heard from God, and I just know that God's going to do this, and God never does that. And you're thinking, well, did I miss here? Well, yeah, you probably did. But that's okay because you're praying and you're asking and you're seeking. But the way you speak and the way you pray for others, we need to be very careful. Because we don't want to get into this place where we're trying to make God be what we want him to be and do what we want him to do. We are instruments for him. We are used by him. We are for him. So this gift is manifest by the Spirit. It's given by the Spirit. He is the one who who brings this confidence in us. This faith enables us to believe God for certain things through prayer that we have no claim or promise for in Scripture. I don't know about you, but have you prayed for things that you just know? You just know that God did it? I'll give you uh, very briefly my personal story, and and later at the end of the service, you're going to hear a personal testimony from uh, Melissa Calhagen. She's going to come up and share how God was working in her life. Um, But for me, we were on the mission field. My sister-in-law, she had fallen down some steps leaving our apartment, and it was really awkward and weird. The, the whole story just didn't feel right. She said, you know, I, I left, and I was walking out the door, and it just felt like someone just shoved me down the steps. Like, I just felt this shoving behind, and I just tumbled. And she twisted her ankle, and she was supposed to go do ministry that day. She was supposed to be at the coffee house, and she was supposed to be there ministering to students and, and running that, that coffee house that was her assignment while we were on the, on, on the mission field. So we bring her back into the house. She's telling us about it, and we're just like, this doesn't feel like, this This does not feel right. This wasn't an accident. It didn't feel like an accident. Now, I'm saying feel, 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 and then some of you are probably going, okay, we're into the feeling part now. <laughs> but there's a sense in us where you're like, something's off. So our response was, let's just pray. Let's just pray. I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do. Let's just pray. And so... We were thinking, James 5, okay, let's get some oil. What do we do with it? I don't know. It says we're supposed to anoint with oil, so let's get oil. What do we have? Well, we got cooking oil. Well, grab the cooking oil. Let's use that, you know. And we put cooking oil on our hands, and we anointed our ankle with it, and we're putting our hands on there, and we're confessing one to another as it says in the Scripture. We just opened the Bible, read the Scripture. Scripture said, do this. That's what we did. I mean, that's that simple. So we just have our hands on our ankle, and we're just... Confessing one to another, God, I don't know what you're going to do, and help us in our unbelief. We know you can heal and all this, and, and we want you to heal, and we're just praying, God. And, and, and in us, there's unbelief, and there's doubts, and there's things, and we don't want to have that. We just want you to move. We want you to heal, and, and we're just praying that you would restore. If that's your will, restore her ankle right now, Lord. And then in the midst of that time of prayer, the Spirit of the Lord just gave me a word to give to her, and I just said to Aaron, I just said, the Lord loves you, and he's going to heal you. Do you believe this? And she said, I believe. And I said, get up and walk. And I picked her up off the couch, and she walked. Like, totally healed. On her way, you can clap. I mean, like, that's awesome, right? And, but I just knew. Like, in that moment, it's like, 
I don't know how I know, but right now the Spirit of God just spoke to me and said, I'm doing this right now. And I just knew that's the gift of faith. That's the gift of faith. And so D.A. Carson says it this way. You have that quote uh, here, and I'm going to read it off, your, off the sheet I gave to you guys. The gift of faith is God-given ability without fakery or platitudinous exhortations to believe what you do not really believe, <laughs> to trust God for a certain blessing not promised in Scripture. I did not have a promise that God was going to heal her. I did not have a Scripture verse necessarily. I just... I just opened the scriptures and I just prayed the way the scriptures told me to pray. I just asked God to do what he would do. And, and he gave me that assurance. He would give you that assurance. He still works like that today. And Paul's saying that to the church. He still moves like this. We still invite him in. He's still talking. He's still moving. He's still working. He gives us that assurance. Now, this is a strange confidence that, that you know that you know and it's that assurance that comes with it, that God is about to act or has acted through word or action. Now, this idea of faith is very often connected to healings as well as miracles, as well as prophecy. So, in fact, I believe that rarely do we experience the gifts working alone. Often it's several gifts operating in several people at the same time and it gives us a more complete witness to what God is doing. He uses all of us in different ways at the same time, and he confirms what he's doing. He shows us. And one has a word, one has a healing, one has a miracle, one has a, a prophetic word, one has knowledge, one has understanding. And they all work together, and they bring faith. And we see God showing himself. That's manifesting the Spirit. And that doesn't sound uncommon. When you think about some of your experiences, I think often we just don't realize we're seeing the gifts of God in action in our Christian walk. We're just like, oh, well, that was weird. <laughs> you know? But no, that's God working, showing up. And we need to recognize what, what he's doing. So I think we see these things in tandem. When you hear testimonies, when you hear what God's doing in people's lives, it's rarely that you just see one by itself. God can do that, but I, I think most often he has different things happening at the same time. So just as faith as is a spiritual gift relying on God, so is the gift of healings. So faith and healings. Sam Storms talks about faith and healing in five separate ways, uh, and for the church at large, I would suspect we are comfortable with three or four of these ways and less comfortable thinking of the last category as normative for today. And you have those uh, on, your, on your handout. The first is that we have faith that God is our sole source for blessing. He's our hope, and it's Him alone. It's just God. This glorifies God, and we pray for healing and the idea of faith. So we, we have this idea that God, we, we, just, we just believe that. I, I, I think we're all comfortable with that. God is our source. He's the one. He's, we're all, yeah, I believe God can heal, and God's the source of healing and goodness and hope. Yep, I will affirm that one. Secondly, we have faith in God's ability to heal. So we look at passages like 
Matthew 9, 28 and 29, and Matthew 8, 2. And, and we conclude, yes, God can heal at any time if he chooses. We look at the scripture and we're like, yeah, Jesus healed. And yeah, he can do it. I can affirm that. Like, we're pretty comfortable with that, right? So yeah, God's our hope. And yeah, God can heal. Yeah, we're, I'm, we're still pretty good, right? We're like, mm-hmm, yep, gotcha. I'm okay there. Third is we have faith in God's heart to that it, it's God's heart to heal. Faith in His goodness and His desire to bless. We have confidence in His character to build up, to bring unity, to create wholeness, to bring completeness. When He heals, we see His love for people. He understands our pain and suffering, and healing flows out of His grace and mercy and love. And so we would say, yeah, I have faith that that's God's heart. He, he wants to bless his people. He can heal whenever he wants. He's our source. All of these, I'm giving lip service, right? Like, I believe all these things. I say all these things. The church is pretty comfortable with these. I'm saying church in general, at large. We're, we're like, yeah, that. And we'll, we'll say this all the time. You'll hear this all the time. Number four and number five. Number four, I think we're still pretty comfortable, but Number four says this, we have faith that God can heal and he delights to heal and that he does heal. Now, this is believing that healing is part of his purposes for today and he's able to do it and he delights to do it, but it's still not for the church in the everyday. It's, it's occasionally he'll heal somebody. So I believe the other three and we get to number four and it's like, yeah, I know that one person who knew that lady in the church, and they prayed for them, and then like they got healed. Yeah, and like we hear those vague testimonies on the side, but that's not all the time. It's like God does it, and He delights in it. And yeah, those are great, but that's like few and far between. Like that's not like really what God does in the day to day. But I believe it. I believe He can do it. And we, I would say, as the church, are pretty comfortable there too. Why? Why are we comfortable stopping there? Because if it's as number five, it really shakes us a little bit. It means we have to do some examining of our own faith, what we believe, what we think about God, what we think about his purposes. So sadly, we're we're comfortable with all four of those. It's not really bad to pray for healing. We'll, We'll pray and we'll believe that he can heal. But what happens in the church at large, we produce a a suffering mentality. Healing's not normative, but suffering is. We have a thorn-in-the-flesh theology. This goes contrary to what we just have been talking about here. We say, well, true, God can use our suffering for our good, but, but you know, this is how he's, he's going to work. Like, it's, it's the suffering he's using. It's not necessarily healing. And we'll look at Paul and we'll say, well, Paul prayed three times and God didn't heal Paul. It was, he, he had to have suffering. Paul prayed three times. Now, it's not just he prayed three times. It's actually three seasons, three seasons of prayer. And he says, God, work in me. God, work in me. God, work in me. In that season, he didn't get an answer. And then there's another season. He's like, God, again, I, I'm still suffering. I have this, this sickness. I have this thorn in the flesh. Will you work in me? Work in me. And God still doesn't answer. He gets to a third season. He's like, God, I'm praying for this. I'm praying for this. And finally, he gets a word of knowledge from the Lord. He says, Paul, I'm actually doing something unique in you with this. This is for you. 
Now, that's not the way we should look at all of our sicknesses. That was revealed to Paul, but we look at it as, oh, that's normative. So if I'm sick, I'm just supposed to be sick. I'm just supposed to suffer, and God's supposed to show me something, and that's just how it is. That healing's not necessarily something we need to pray for. It's just, I need to suffer well. How many of you have had that talk or heard that sermon? Suffering well. We should. But we shouldn't discount that God heals, that he delights in it, that he wants us to pray for it. He wants us to come and ask, not just for a little healing, he wants us to ask for complete healings. He wants us to come because this is his heart. This is what he delights in. So, so we, we too should be persistent in prayers. We should be praying for healings, just as Paul was persistent. We should be asking God and asking God and asking God until he says a definitive word, don't keep asking me for this one. And if he doesn't answer, we keep praying. So this brings us to number five. This is the one that kind of gets people a little bit nervous, and it's that we have faith that God, we have faith that it is God's will to heal right now. It's, God, it's, it's what God is doing, in fact, with his people and through his people right now. So this is James 5.15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is the prayer of faith that raises him up. He heals right now. We have this conviction that God heals, and he's wanting to heal and he will heal, and he can heal, and we're coming and praying in faith for healing. Not that God heals every person or every time we pray, but while praying, we do that with an expectation, and the Holy Spirit brings an understanding, and the Spirit prompted conviction that God intends to heal the one whom is being prayed for. It's God producing this faith or confidence. So So we don't always know if God will heal in every circumstance, but we pray for complete healing nonetheless. And note in James 5, 17 and 18, we pray with expectation because we are like Elijah. You're thinking, I'm not like Elijah. Yeah, we're like Elijah. He was just a man. He was like you and I, a regular man walking by faith, needing the Holy Spirit to to use him and fill him and work through him. We are like him, regular, normal people, full of the Spirit, asking God to work through our prayers for healing, just as Elijah prayed to end a three-year drought. So I have some thoughts for you. And then I'll have Melissa come up. Now, these are in no particular order, but here's some thoughts. One, people can have various degrees of the gifts of healing. So it's not uncommon that people that pray at times, some pray for backs and backs get healed. Some pray for joints. Some pray for migraines. Some pray for other things. And God just seems to use them. Like when they pray for those things, God uses it. Praise God for that. And, and so it's not like somebody has the gift of healing for everything. Maybe they do. God does it as he wills. That's the point. And there's various degrees that we tend to see. Number two, it's an assumption to make that if anyone could ever heal, they will always heal. This is the, the argument against healings. It's like, well, if you could heal, you'd always heal. If you had the gift of healing, why wouldn't you just go empty the hospital? I used to say that all the time because I'd watch the tele, 
television preachers and do their healings and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, if they really had that gift, they would just go empty out the hospital. Well, it's an assumption to make that if the Spirit gives you that gift of healing, that you have it every time. Not true. It's, it's as the Spirit manifests. That's an assumption that is a wrong one. Healings are expressions of divine mercy. We need to remember that. Expressions of divine mercy, meaning God does not owe us healings. We don't deserve healings. Yes, we have faith for healings, but our prayers look different when it's based on his mercy and it's not based on an alleged right. So when we're praying for his mercy, the way we pray is much different than, God, you owe me this because of the blood of Jesus. It's a very different prayer. Spiritual and physical are connected in something good. There's something good about laying on of hands. So we see in Jesus' ministry that he laid hands on people. He touched them. There's a physical connection with the spiritual. These are good. God made us physical. He made us in the flesh. Jesus himself is always in the flesh for all of eternity. He took on flesh, and he will always be in flesh. So there's a, there's a joining. There's something good about this. And so we're praying that God would bring restoration in the flesh. Sickness is, number five, sickness is never portrayed as good in the Scriptures. Now, it can be used for good and for God's purposes, but sickness is the result of the fall. So it's not portrayed as good in the Scriptures. Number six, not all suffering is sickness. Sickness is suffering, but not all suffering is sickness. We are promised suffering in this world. We're promised persecutions and trials, but we are not... As obedient disciples of Jesus Christ, we are not to expect sickness and disease as part of our calling. We're not to expect that as part of our calling. Sickness is, is, is not part of that suffering that Jesus mentioned that we will have. It's here because of the fall, but it's not portrayed as good. Number seven, and I, I went ahead and put the quote in here for you. Contrary to popular thought, sickness and disease in and of themselves do not glorify God. Our unwavering faith and loyalty and love for God in spite of sickness and disease do glorify God. That's Sam Storms. So contrary to popular thought, sickness and disease in and of themselves do not glorify God. That's not part of his good purposes and his plans. But our faith in the midst of it, that does glorify him. Number eight, leave room for God. We don't always know why some receive healings and others do not, or why it seems most will not receive a supernatural healing. No matter, we are still to be obedient to pray. We don't understand the mystery. We don't understand his will. We don't understand his purposes and everything, but we pray nonetheless. Leave room for God. Number nine. Remember, God's heart is for our good and for his glory. So we should then work from the assumption that God wants to do a healing unless he shows us otherwise. If his heart is for our good, if Jesus' heart is for us, if he has an un, uh, unwavering, never-ending, ferocious love for us, then we should assume it's for our good. And if 
sickness and disease are not part of his plan, but part of the curse and the fall, then we should be praying against those things and assuming that he wants to do something in this. He wants to work in some way in this. I'm giving you my over the glasses like you're in trouble, Luke. Like, you should be praying into this, okay? Um, Number 10, we will fail. And I'll put fail in quotes because our idea of fail is I prayed and they weren't healed. That's not God's idea of fail. God's idea of success is your obedience of following the Scriptures and pray. Were you obedient? Did you pray? Did you just follow me and have a heart of compassion and mercy and kindness and grace towards those who are suffering? Did you pray? Did you minister to their needs? If you did that, you you were successful, regardless of whether or not the healing came. But we will look at it and say, they weren't healed, we failed. That's of the enemy. And lastly, praying expectantly versus praying presumptuously. And so we need to pray with expectation, but praying presumptuously is is where we get in trouble. It's where we presume things and we proclaim things and we say things that we, we need to be careful not to do. And that hurts. That hurts people. Because what happens when you pray presumptuously and the healing doesn't come, sometimes what people do at that moment is they have to justify why the healing didn't come. And they say, well, you just didn't have enough faith, or you just didn't believe, or, well, there's sin in your life. There's got to, like, God's always, like, when you hear God always, will always, has, like, he's doing that right now, this moment, and you pray presumptuously, you're not building up the body. You're in danger of hurting it. We pray that God would move and work and, and, and edify. We expect, God, we expect you to work and move, and we want you to move. But you are God. We are not. Um, I'm going to ask Melissa to come on up this way. Um, and I don't know which, which one do you want to put her on. You're going to give her a handheld? Okay. Uh, so Melissa is going to share a testimony, and at the end of your, her testimony, we're going to pray. And as I'm praying, the worship team is going to come up. And then we're going to have, at the end of that, there's no benediction, but at the end of that, I'm giving you guys the line. I'm looking at the clock. So she's going to give her testimony. We're going to have uh, a closing prayer and a worship song. But then if you would like to receive prayer for healing, if you would like to receive just prayer in general, we're going to have some people up here that we would gladly receive you and pray for you. So that's, that's kind of where we're going in the last few minutes. But that time of prayer will be in the in-between. So it's going to be on your own. There's time. If you, if you go, that's fine. If you want to stay and be prayed over and pray with, that's going to be available to you. But Melissa, will you share with us? Is the green light on? Yep, green All light's right. on. Okay. All right, I'll get out of the way. Um, that was so good. That was, wow. Everything that, everything that you said was like right in line with what I feel like God has done. So, yeah. Thank you, Rob. That was wonderful. Um, so my name is Melissa, and I'm so excited to get to share all that God has done, or at least part of it. He's done a lot, and I don't have time to share all of it, so I'll share as much as I can. Um, so my story with healing actually started when I was a really little girl. I'm going to try and make it through this without crying, but I make no promises. Um, right, <laughs> maybe. 
Um, so I grew up in a Christian home and um, loved Jesus, fell in love with him at a very young age. Um, my mom had epilepsy, she had seizures, and they were never controlled by medication, um, by brain surgery, by all sorts of therapies. Nothing ever seemed to help. Um, but she believed from the time that she was about a teenager, she believed that God told her that he was going to heal her. And so my entire life, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for my mom. And, and all those points that you made, it was, it was a lot of presumptuous prayer. It was a lot of like, well, God, you said it to my mom, so you owe it to me. Like we, we prayed a lot. Um, and year after year, he didn't heal her. And so I started believing those lies that, well, he's not healing her because I'm not praying right. I'm not saying the right words. I'm not, I'm not doing it right. Or he's not healing her because I don't have enough faith. Or I have enough faith, but my brother doesn't have enough faith. Or, I mean, just all these lies that the enemy tries to use, right? Of, like, why God isn't moving when we want him to move. And eventually it got to the point where it hurts so much to ask for healing for her because I wasn't seeing God move in the way that I wanted him to, that I built this wall in my heart in the area of healing. I believed everything else that God could do, everything else that God wanted to do, everything it says in scripture. But when it came to healing, it just hurt too much. I put it in a little box. I shoved it off in the corner and didn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Like It was not something that I was interested in in my walk with the Lord. So fast forward until a year ago, and I was a perfectly healthy 34-year-old, like maybe sometimes I took a multivitamin, but that was just because I'm supposed to, like no health problems whatsoever. Um, And then October 5th, last year, um, I just started feeling bad. I didn't know if I was getting the flu. It was like, I was so tired. I couldn't keep my eyes open. I had this horrible migraine and it lasted for like a week. And then I woke up in the middle of the night with incredible pain in my chest, incredible pain. I'd never had anything like this before. And my heart was racing and I couldn't catch my breath. And the whole left side of my body went numb. And I woke up my husband and I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. Like, I don't know what's going on. And so we called an ambulance, we went to the hospital, and they ran some tests, and they were like, uh, so it's not a heart attack, um, it's indigestion. I was like, oh, well, now I feel like an idiot. Like, <laughs> went to the emergency room in the middle of the night for heartburn. So they gave me some heartburn medication and sent me home, and took it for a few days, and the pain was just getting worse. And so I went back to the doctor, and he doubled the dose of heartburn medication, and Tried it for a few days, and the pain was just getting worse and worse. And I'm eating, like, as bland a food as I can think of. So I'm like, well, maybe it's because of what I'm eating. Um, And it just wasn't going away. I went back to the doctor. He tripled the dose. So now I'm taking a whole lot of heartburn medication. And at this point, he was like, maybe we should run some tests. And so he did all sorts of blood work and scans and sent me to specialists and all these things. And everywhere they looked, they just weren't finding any reason for what was going on in me. They ended up doing gallbladder surgery. That didn't help. I I just was, I kept getting worse. 
So I went to a new doctor, and she ran new tests for things that I had never heard of before. And, and with every test that they ran, um, I was just becoming more and more discouraged. And I, it was so bad that I couldn't lay down at all. Um, I had to sleep sitting completely sitting up. Um, because if I laid down, the heartburn would get so intense that um, one doctor described it as it was like my body pulled the fire alarm. Like my body would go into a full-blown panic attack because the pain was just so much. So I slept sitting up. I couldn't move too quickly because um, any sort of jostling just was unbearable. Um, I couldn't talk for long periods of time. I couldn't sing because that movement of my diaphragm was just, it aggravated it so much that I, I just, I couldn't. It hurt too bad. And I mentioned the singing because for me, worship has always been a huge way that I connect with the Lord. Um, I, I just, I, I'm not a great singer, but I love to sing. I love to worship the Lord. And in this time, in these months that were going by, I was praying and I was crying out to God and I was, I was asking him, like, what is going on and seeking his word. And he was silent. He wasn't saying anything. And I think more than the pain, that was the hardest part of the journey was I felt totally alone. I wasn't alone. I had my amazing husband who was doing everything because I couldn't do anything. I just sat there. And he took care of the kids and took care of the house and did all the things. And I had so many of you coming and bringing us food and taking care of my kids and like being the hands and feet of Jesus. And that truly was the only way that God spoke to me was through the body in that time. I couldn't hear him. I couldn't get anything from the word. And so there were times that I was like, I just want to sing. Like, I just want to connect with the Lord. And I couldn't even do that. And in March... um, I went back to the doctor. She was going to run some more tests. And we were getting to the point where it had been six months. She was kind of running out of places to look. And um, so she ran another test. And, and I was putting all my hope in this test. I was like, this is it. This is going to be the answer that I've been waiting for. Um, and the results came back. And they were negative. Once again, it wasn't the answer. And I just broke. I had no hope left. I was so depressed and so discouraged and in so much pain. I was down to 98 pounds. I was literally wasting away. I was eating rice and bananas. That's all I was living on because those are the only foods that like kind of didn't make me miserable. And um, I, I was just broken when those test results came back and very angry at God. Very angry. Why aren't you speaking? Why aren't you healing me? Like, what the heck? Um, and all this happened two days before the women's retreat. And we've been going to the bridge for four years. And the women's retreat has been the highlight of my year every single year. I love the women's retreat. I love what he does. It's just, I've, I love it. But this year, I was just so broken. I had no desire to go. I didn't want to. Because I was terrified that I was going to show up and God was going to continue not speaking. And I, I couldn't bear that. I, I could not stand the thought of 
leaving the women's retreat just as broken as when I got there. I didn't want to go. But I had signed up to be on the prayer team because I was in a real good place to be ministering to other people in this broken place I was in. But felt like, you know, I committed to be there. I should, I should probably go. And so I showed up kind of kicking and screaming. And um, for those of you who haven't been to the women's retreat, we really encourage everybody that comes to get prayer. Everybody needs to get prayed over. So the first night after the first session, um, they were encouraging everybody to come get prayer. And I was supposed to be one of the ones up at the front praying over people. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, I can't pray over anybody. Like, I have nothing to give. I can barely stop myself from crying. Like, I'm a broken mess and in so much pain. I just need to go get prayed over. And so I went up to the front, and um, I went up to Missy LeCue. And, and she had totally been in this journey with us and had just been praying for me and bringing us meals, and she knew my story. And... And she looks at me, and, and she takes a minute and just gets quiet before the Lord to just listen. And she says, you know, I think, I think you're supposed to ask the Lord to speak just one more time. To which I literally rolled my eyes, because that's the point that I was at. I was like, no, I don't want to ask him anymore. Like, it's, it hurts to ask. I was like, okay, if that's what you feel like he's saying, I will go ask the Lord. And so I left the room, and I got alone. And I did one of those, like, just open my Bible and see where it falls kind of thing, because that's, that's just where I was at. And um, I opened my Bible, and I looked down, and it had opened to Exodus 14. And verse 14 just jumped off the page, which says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be silent. And in that moment... I wish I could say that everything was like, and I knew God was going to act. It, it wasn't fully that, but in that moment, I felt his nearness and I felt his presence and hope began to grow. And that gift of faith that Rob is talking about, that supernatural, like, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something, just started to, to grow just a tiny bit in my heart for the first time in six months. And... Over the next 24 hours, I had, it was like every conversation I had, God was just speaking directly through whoever it I was talking to. And most of the people probably had no idea that they were like saying exactly what I needed to hear because we were just talking in line for lunch or like out for a walk in the woods. But it was like, God was so persistently just loving on me and encouraging me and bringing my heart to a place of trusting him. And he did this so much so that by Saturday night, Allie Silverdangle looks at me and she's like, I just feel like we're supposed to get a group of people together and pray for you. And instead of rolling my eyes, my heart had been so encouraged that my response was, yeah, I kind of think we're supposed to too. I, I, I kind of think maybe he wants to do something. And uh, so after the session Saturday night, a group of, a bunch of you, <laughs> it was a big group, got around me and prayed. And as you we were praying, and I was just so caught up in just the beautiful words he was giving you and the beautiful pictures he was giving you, my heart was just being so encouraged. I didn't even realize until Amy Rybacki turns to me and she's like, so how are you feeling Like as they're, as they're praying? And I stopped and was like, actually... 
a little bit better. Like, oh, something is happening. Okay. And so they kept praying and they kept praying. And eventually there was no pain at all left in my body. Like not for the first time in six months. Yeah. Praise God. He did a beautiful miracle. So much so that when we were done praying, we got up and had a dance party and we worshiped. I hadn't been able to dance or sing in six months and we danced around and it was just, it was the best. It was the best worship party I've ever had. Um, He was just so kind and so good to meet me exactly where I was and to heal me so completely. I, I went to bed that night and I laid flat for the first time which was amazing (laughs) to not sleep sitting up. Like, oh my gosh, it was so nice. I woke up the next morning. At the time, I'd been taking like 27 pills a day. So I had them all in these little Ziploc baggies. And I looked at my Ziploc baggie of pills after sleeping all night and was like, I'm not going to take them. I believe that God healed me. I feel good. I'm not going to take them. And it was such a like step of faith of like, yes, I'm, I'm going to receive what God has done. And, and I didn't take them and I haven't taken them since I can eat anything I want. I can go running. I can sing. He healed me so completely. And I'm just so in awe of what he did. And as I got home from the retreat and was just processing, I mean, over the weeks, Afterwards, as I started realizing, like, this is, this is real. Like, I'm fine now. Um, <laughs> I remember sitting down with the Lord and being like, so what just happened? Like, what was that? Like, I just went through a whole lot in a six-month period of time. Like, why? And he so clearly spoke to me and said, you wouldn't have believed me any other way. He had to bring me to a point of utter brokenness to trust that not only could he heal, but he delights in healing. He wants to heal. And like Rob said, it's not not every time. My mom still has epilepsy. But his heart is so for us. And when he healed me physically, he didn't stop there. He He healed me spiritually and emotionally. Like he is so after the fullness of our hearts. Like he wants every nook and cranny of our heart to belong to him and of our belief to align with him. And he's so gentle and he's so kind in doing it, but he is a relentless, persistent pursuer and he will stop at nothing until he has the fullness of our hearts because he loves us that much. And I just praise him and I'm so thankful for what he's done. So thank you for letting me share this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Will you please stand? We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And uh, Amy, you've asked some people to be ready to pray. So while we're singing, if you want to receive prayer, uh, you can come over. If you have to go, you're, you're more than welcome to, to go. You, you can be dismissed after I, I finish the prayer. But um, if you're wanting to receive prayer, be prayed over, if you have someone that you want us to pray for, for their healing that, that's on your heart, Come and receive that prayer. So, Amy, if you'll have your group come over after I finish praying, and we'll worship together, and then you're, you're at liberty for whatever you need to do. Father, I thank you for the day, and I thank you for all that you're doing, that you love us, and just as was shared, you are relentless, and you love us with a, a ferocious love that you won't stop pursuing, you don't quit, and you want us 
to know you. And you want the fullness of our heart, the same that you want us to experience the fullness of your majesty. And so, God, we just, we give thanks. We give thanks for this. We don't understand all of it, but grow us. Grow us in it. And may we be consistently pursuing after you as we grow. Holy Spirit, keep us humble and keep us loving one another the way Christ loves. And we ask that you help apply these truths to our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing, and if you would like to receive prayer, you may come up.